Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Guardians of the Future podcast. I'm your host, Justin Latta. Thanks for tuning in last week. If you caught uh, Marco Lanave with the Akron Rubber Ducks joining us and I'm lucky enough to get another, uh, I'm not going to call him a guest because he's not really a guest. He's uh, a former co-host on this show. He's, he was on here a bunch of times and he's been ducking me for years to try to come back and that's okay. I ducked him a few weeks ago, but uh, Pat Ellington is back. Former, uh, it was still IBI, I guess, back in the day when we did that. So yeah, former man. IBI writer and intern uh, has agreed to join me on this week's podcast. Pat, thanks for, for coming back, buddy. Um, no problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, and it's good to be here again. So, yeah, I, I kind of, looking back on it now, I'm kind of just thinking on my head. I remember um, listening to this back in uh 2018, 2019, when this was the farm report, I remember listening to this, hearing about Will Vince's four home run game and stuff. And it was, oh it was, man, kind of just, such a long time ago now. I was I was only like 18 then, but yeah. All right, <laughs> and this podcast is over because every time I talk to Pat, I wind up feeling oh, like I'm a million man. years old. Oh man, you are a million. Years oh, I had a welcome back banner for you, but I'm not going to oh, use it now because okay. now I'm mad at you. No, that's, uh, that's so that's that's very flattering. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, I, I don't know why it took this long to get Pat back on the show. I, I think uh, I should have thought about this episode a while or this a while ago. Made too much sense to have you on since you spent a lot of your time in the Guardian system for all kinds of places. Why don't you remind people where you uh, took off for greener pastures for me? Um, <laughs> greener pastures. Uh, that's a joke. In, in theory. In theory. Um, yeah. In theory, not always in practice. Um, I picked up bylines at a lot of places, um, baseball perspectives, baseball America, MLB.com. Those are the main three. Uh, Society of American Baseball Research, I, I'm a writer for them as well. Um, those are probably the big four. Um, I have my own independent blog called the Red, Black, Red, Black, Green Baseball Blog, where I cover um, black players from throughout the African diaspora. Um, and I, I do some freelancing at different, different, uh, different other couple places. Um, uh, SI affiliate for um, San Francisco Giants. Um, I work for them as well. Um, I do some work for Pinstripe Alley as well. So um, I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah, you are. So many, you just kind of forgot how to na- how to name them all. Uh, yeah, Pat did a bunch of good stuff back in the day on John Kenzie Noel and, and George Valera. And uh, you did some good stuff in the last year or so on Brian Rocchio. We'll touch on all that because we're going to have to talk about George Valera, unfortunately. But uh, we're, you and I have seen Lake County the most this year out of anybody uh, at least that's you know our coverage area. So we're going to talk a little bit about the captains, and then we'll talk about some other highlights in the system. And yeah, we'll get into Valera, we'll get into Williams, we'll get into Joey Cantillo, all that stuff. So stick around to the end because Pat has seen most of these players, if not all of them too. So uh, not just Lake County, but Ethan Hankins. We've talked about him a couple times on the podcast since he's come back. You, if you listened last week, you heard the interview I put up with him. Uh, two of them, actually, the day he came back from Arizona was the night before he was going to make his first start. And then I talked to him after his first or his second start, I should say. But, Pat, you were at his first start. So I caught his good one, his his, uh, sec- his second home start. And then he pitched again over the weekend on Friday night. He pitched really good. He had three innings, one walk, one hit, and a strike, and three strikeouts. He was 92-95. That's about what you had him at um, the first outing you saw him. So, uh, people have heard my voice plenty on what I think about Ethan Hankins so far. What was your first observation? Because not a guy you saw, obviously, because he was last pitched in 2019. So what was your first thought on his return? Um, my first thought was he looked really trim and slim and, and kind of in shape relatively. 
not like all the way like hawking or anything like that, but he looked um, really in in game relative game shape. I'm sure he's probably not in full game shape, and you probably said it himself um, about where he's at. Um, but he looked healthy, and he looked like he's been on the field and and doing things you expect a professional player to do with their body. Um, so that was really good to see. Um, when he got on the mound, it was his very first start back in, in first game action in like three years. So two, three years. So um, you really can't take anything. You got really got to take everything with a grain of salt up to a certain point. But so um, you just kind of look for moral victories, I guess. Um, so he, he was throwing strikes. Um, he got two strikeouts and um, I think you remember um, retweeting and looking at the one with the curveball. Uh, the shapes on the stuff looked nice. Um, and he looked like he had a, a arsenal worthy of a guy who could probably start in high A. Um, he looked like a minor leaguer, like a legit minor leaguer. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at with him. I, I just want to, you know, see him get back on his feet and throw more um, just because he's been gone for so long. And he's still so young and he has a lot of potential, too which is why Cleveland took a, um, a risk on him because he kind of plummeted because he was potentially on track to be a 1-1 guy before the injury started happening his um his senior high school. Because I remember um, a lot of guys like you and Willie were saying were kind of targeting him as that intriguing guy that Cleveland could take um, in that late teens, early 20s slot that they seemed to be stuck in. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Ethan Hankins right now. Um, I'm just – Ready to see him do more, build more on his arm. Yeah, he's only up to three innings so far. Hasn't gotten out of the third yet. They're keeping him around the, the 40 pitch mark. And he said the next step for him is four innings and about 60 pitches. So we'll see when that happens. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he looked like a guy who obviously had missed some time. The last couple starts have been better. The shape of the slider or the shape of the curveball looks good, I would say, because that was a huge pitch for him when he was an amateur. It was such mm-hmm. a, a big hammer. And um, gives him a good two-pitch mix. I, I would like to see the fastball. I think it'll come, too, when he gets more endurance come, just pitching I mean, every day. Yeah. The velocity and stuff is going to wax in the way, but at the same time, the shape is definitely there that people were kind of harping on that he had. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Cleveland kind of leverages his build because he's probably one of the biggest pitchers Cleveland's had in the system in a while. I mean, Gavin Williams is pretty big, too, and um, so is uh, Tanner, Bi- Tanner Bybee. He's a solid six four, six three. But um Ethan Hankins has a lot a lot of potential with his frame, just with the extension and and you know the high slot. They like to kind of tinker with guys and stuff like that. Especially since he has the curveball too. So um he already has a lot of tools to go north south. And how can I forget Sam Hitches? I'm sorry, Sam Hitches is here. <laughs> yeah. I, I apologize, man. Hopefully, I mean I you know, Cleveland has had not had a lot of success with high school pitchers. Tristan McKenzie has been a good one. But before Tristan McKenzie, you had to go back to CC Sabathia for the last time. They really had a lot of success with the, with the high school pitcher. Sam Hench just counts in that group, obviously, as a reliever. Um, I can't. I just can't think of anybody off the top of my head who's come up and, and really pitched well for them. And it's such a big gap to go from. You know one thing from, I've noticed? Dabby had a lot of a lot of J2 guys that have been pitchers. Yeah over the last decade and a half-ish, decade, two decades. I mean, that's what I can think of is Danny Salazar. 
Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he comes to mind too. I'm trying to think of anybody. I mean, I guess Fosco Carmona, but Salazar was after him. Um, like nobody between Salazar and now from the J2 pipeline has. Um, yeah, I'm trying to go through. Like, even like, a, like a Cleveland guy, like a Cleveland, like a full yeah, Cleveland you know, guy. Yeah, because they, they traded for Classe. They traded for that one guy who from the Nationals and it. Daniel Johnson trade. Oh, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, who could forget? <laughs> what a great time that was. Yeah, they have not done. I mean, basically any any teenage pitcher has not been their forte. I mean, why? I mean, I know you like Juan Hillman a lot as a as a pitcher and a dude, and I I do too as well. But they did not do well with him. No. Um, there's there's a ton of guys that we've covered over the years. It's just like unbelievable that they've had. No success developing. So I, I hope Hankins doesn't go the way of any of those guys. Certainly, it has been a long road for him, and it'll be interesting to see what they do because obviously he'll be Rule 5 eligible, and like you said, he is a big dude, and he has the frame to start. And, you know, I think he'll have the stuff. If he wants to be a reliever, he could be a two-pitch reliever. It just depends on that third pitch. And Right, and I, if the team wants to finagle it and have him come out the bullpen or something and yeah, cover in the back and they started. Like, after what the Orioles did to get Anthony Santander, I'm just very – keyed in on how teams use Rule 5 draft and stuff to acquire <laughs> talent. And it's just a very creative way to get guys with tools, which is what you're looking for at the end of the day. I mean, a guy who can just truck it to a wall and see if they can stick. Um, so it's just like, I mean, Ethan Hacken definitely is a Rule 5, is a, definitely a, a guy I would consider taking a flyer on if I was in a position of a, of a GM, but maybe that's why I'm not a GM. So. The Nationals would be an interesting fit for him because obviously they're terrible, but they have a lot of pitchers like him. They have Cade Cavalli and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name that's hurt right now too, the Jackson Rutledge. And those guys are both massive human beings and pitchers, and Hankins kind of fits that mold too. They like those kids. I so, agree. Washington is also a bit more old school, so they might. Yeah, they like that. high school kids too. So, I mean, not that Hankins is, is a little bit older now. but mm-hmm. um, And they've had a lot of success with really young players over the years as well. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've gone out and bought a lot of their – I mean, I guess Max Scherzer or uh, Steven Strasburg was a college arm, but they've they've had interesting success through the draft, uh, mostly with hitters. It seems like they've gone out and got pitching through other means. But uh, anybody in Lake County that really has stood out to you, I mean, we've talked about – I'm trying to think. I've mentioned Joe Lampy on the show. Joe Lampy has really hit kind of a wall. He had a great start, <clears throat> and things have not looked good for him since uh, – not that I don't like Joe. It's just I think uh, that early start was really fueled by a lot of contact, and he kind of seems like a guy who hits the ball back up the middle a ton and doesn't really hit the ball hard, which, hey, that's the story of everybody in Cleveland, right? They have a lot of guys who make a lot of contact, and none of it's all that great. But he's kind of fallen off uh, recently. Is there anybody – I mean, we could talk all day about – we have a question about Juan Burrito. We can talk about him because I think, to me, <clears throat> you look at this Lake County team, it's it's kind of rough right now. I mean, I like Diane Frias. I like, I mean, Joe Lampy, I like enough, and I like uh, um, Juan Brito. But I'm kind of, uh, Jordi Valdez has, has been pretty interesting to me, too. Is there anybody that you really like or just keeping an eye on right now in Lake County for the future? Um, I would say Brito, Tolentino, um, Frias, mm-hmm. and um, Valdez, Jordi Valdez. Um, Valdez was the first and second round pick, right? Wasn't yeah, he? He was, uh, I think he was a second round pick, yeah. He was a pretty high pick, yeah. Yeah, he was a high, high pick. I know he was a. I know he was like a very high pick for a glove first high school infielder coming out. So yeah, second rounder. So yeah, they must. 
they must like something and maybe want to build them up maybe so we'll see um there's a question somebody asked about nutrition and, and bulk and stuff like that too that we got to answer um about um players gaining muscle too that was really good oh okay yeah um but that came to mind but um so looking at his lake county group you know i remember my very first year covering um minor league ball i had a position i was covering a position my group that had brian rocchio george valera jose Tana, brian lavacita that's just and i say that's just a lot of talent to have in one place at one time especially when you look at that group from that entire year there's gonna be a lot of guys from a group that are gonna make it to the majors even if it's only for like a cup of coffee and they never go again i mean still you're gonna have a lot of guys who are gonna be legit upper upper tier minor leaguers and major leaguers in that group. So I think that's kind of skew my perspective, especially this year. It's been kind of tough. Um even though I've only seen a couple of home stands. Um it's been tough at times, just the level of play is just kind of different. It's it's just a big adjustment. You know, going from Rokio and seeing from Rokio and Tana every day to now, respectfully, because those guys are, who play now are better than I'll ever be. And so and they're already in the one percent of the craft. Um so I, I want to start with Brito. He's probably the, the guy that probably has the best shot of being a major leaguer. And he's probably the guy people are most paying attention to because of his similarities to somebody in the Guardians lineup right now. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've seen the comparisons, and I know we kind of glossed and, and, and kind of skated over the comparisons. And, and, the, and the similarities are there. But we just got to get to um, address the elephant in the room about Juan Brito's similarities to Jose Ramirez. Um, they're there, but... I mean, if you if you guys watch Juan Brito every day and watch Jose Ramirez every day, you would see what makes Jose Jose in terms of what makes him an above-average major league more than just his hitting. I mean, his athleticism, his instincts really make him play up. And his athleticism in itself is really understated. I mean, he may not be a proportional chiseled guy, I mean, but he's still a very fast guy with very good foot speeds and very great instincts. And Brito doesn't have that. And Brito is not a above average defender at second or third. And Jose is a 55 at third, and he's probably like a 60 or a 70 at second on a good day. Probably when he was younger. Probably not now. Yeah, yeah, when he was younger. Yeah, that's changed yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he's probably a 55 now, just like he's at third. But regardless, that that that's a huge boon in itself. And also, Brito is strictly a second baseman. He doesn't really have an arm utility to, to to stick on the left side of the infield at all. And that's a big hit in his profile. Cause at second a lot he's gonna be a lot more dependent on his bat. And he's not a and he's a also below average defender at second too. So it just puts a lot more pressure on the bat. And he also really isn't as strong as Jose either. He just doesn't have that raw power. I mean and Jose's raw power isn't really batting practice power, but he just yes his forearms look like my ankle look like my thighs, respectively. I mean honestly. <laughs> So, yeah, he's a well-built kid. I mean, for mm-hmm. who he is right now and, and the age he's at, at only um, twenty-one years old, definitely he's he's definitely on the more developed side, and he's definitely he doesn't really have that much room for development left too in his frame. He's pretty much maxed out as he is right now, and that's another thing too. Um, he really doesn't have much more to add physically unless you just Giannis on the Kupo V was five eleven. Yeah, I. I I do echo a lot of your, your same sentence with Brito. Like, I don't want anybody to think that, like, oh, we're down on one Brito. He's not going to be a good player. I think we both see that he's got some skills. And I think the one that if you're going to 
if you want to put that Jose Ramirez comparison on him, the only thing you can really say is, okay, this is a guy who knows the strike zone. He doesn't chase. Um, and he, he pulls the ball a lot, and he, and he pulls the ball in the air. Yeah, he, and then, you know, Jose didn't even do that until 2017. Yeah. yeah, so he's Brio's already got that going for him, which is good, um, especially at this age. You know, he makes a lot of contact. The power's not there. Jose had a lot more power at this age, even mm-hmm. even though it didn't show in the majors. And Jose was already in the majors. By age 20, yeah. Yeah, age 20, a year earlier than Brito was. Yeah. He was going to be 22 this year, and he's going to – Honestly, I don't get why Brito was in high A, and this kind of answers the question that somebody asked about um, why is Brito still in high A. He shouldn't have been there in the first place, honestly. He should be He should be in double A. He's advancing up for double A, um, respectfully, I think. He is in terms of, I think, pitch recognition and, and – The physicality but, may not be there, but the skill. I don't, I don't think it's even the physicality. I think it's just this is a guy who hasn't – and he's got one full season under his belt. Last year, he played 107 games, and I think you're seeing right now, too. I mean, he's carrying low averages on balls in play, and I think some of that, too, is, you know, when you hit a lot of fly balls, they end up being outs. lazy. Yeah, they end up being outs, whereas, you know, grounders, too, are going to give you a lot of uh, a lot of bad averages on balls in play, too. But at the minor league level, you don't have <laughs> the best defenders, as we, if you just mentioned him. He's, I mean, yeah, and, and I do have the two-game season, you guys. Yeah, and I, I do I do share the opinion that I, I am concerned about where he's going to end up defensively. Like, it probably is second base long-term. Yeah, I could I could see left field as well. Yeah, I think – I mean, the, the bat is definitely going to be the carrying tool for him, and it's going to be a very uh, patient, pitch recognition, contact-heavy profile. You know, he doesn't really have like, – like you said, he's not a huge guy in terms of what you're going to look for from raw power. Like – I think at the end of the day, you're talking about a guy who's got 45 raw power. And the good thing about his swing is that he's going to get to all that because, like you mentioned, he pulls the ball and he pulls it in the air. So even if you have – because I don't think anybody would have said the minors, hey, Jose Ramirez has 45 power. No. Most people would have said he had 40, like 40 grade power at best. Um, it's certainly better now, but, it, you know, it's because he gets to all of it because of his ability to make contact and – And he's also a really little guy at 20, 21 years old. I'm like, right. Rito, maxed out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big difference for sure. Um, so I think he'll hit. I think you're just talking about a guy who you're looking for singles and doubles and walks. Yeah, singles. I mean, you know, definitely double digit homers. Maybe like I want to be careful. Like I'm not saying I want to put a ceiling on him now because I would say too about Jose and Lindor at Lake County. I would have said 25, 20 would have been a good year for Lindor. Look what he's done. Um, I know it's an unpopular thing to talk about right now, but yeah, he doesn't have the speed. For sure, doesn't have. I mean, maybe the base running acumen will come. Best shortstop to wear Cleveland uniform since integration. You're already here. Yeah, no, that's definitely definitely fair. That will not be Juan Brito. Um, definitely not Juan. No, I just wanted to run my victory lap because a lot of people, as you know, have been really just stuck with Lindor since he left Cleveland, and unrightfully so, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. So. I'm no, I, I mean he's a good player. I mean, is he as good as he was in Cleveland? No, he's not. Uh, Still, still a great player. Even though I think both teams would make that trade again, but that's he, not why. Not the why ballpark, we're progressive field was so perfect for him, and Jose. Like just for their profile, hitting profiles and stuff. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It is. It really is, and, that, and that'll be a good thing for Brito too. The only thing I would say too about Brito is I have not seen a lot of him from the right side. I think you talked about it last homestand. Um, he, I don't think his swing from the right side is as good as it is from the left. But I, I maybe you've seen him from the right side more than I have. He had a rough weekend, a rough week in Lansing this past week. 
Uh, some changeups fooled him, but I just haven't seen the same level of production from him, the same swing, the same ability to make good contact from the right side as I have from the left side. I feel like he's very left-handed dominant right now. Um, I don't remember. It, it may have been some about somebody else, but I know with Brito, his his right-handed swing is definitely a, a bit weaker from what I've seen in his left-handed swing. Um, just from his mechanics and stuff, it just looks a lot more robotic and, and stiff. It's just not, you know, I, and I think it's probably just the reps and stuff. Most switch hitters are way better from the left side than they are from the right side, just from how many plate appearances they see. Left That's handed, true. Right-handed. I mean, you got to think about it. For most of these guys are switch hitting at, what, seven years old, and for most of their lives, they're not going to see a, a good left-handed hitter from the right-handed batter's box for most of their lives. And I think there's one thing, too, about the platoon, platooning with left-handers. I don't think people realize that most left-handed, most left-handed hitters aren't seeing major league caliber pitchers at any age from left who are left-handed unless they're in California or, or like Texas or something. And even right. then, you can see that many. You're most you're going to see is in California. I mean, you only look at what left-handers only with like 17% of people in the world. Just think about applying will be standards to that small group of people compared to the 8 billion we already have and the pitches we've got to work with already. I mean, it's just... That's a good perspective. I never really thought about that before about, you know, you're not... You may be a switch hitter, but if you're not playing like travel ball in Florida or Texas or California, you're not playing year round. You're not you're not seeing guys who all are you know maybe you have a major league parent or something. You know right. you're not seeing you're not seeing a lot of famous left handers. I mean, the, and the guys that are are you are seeing are obviously very good. Like there's a reason no high school right handers ever gone one one. Going back to our conversation with Ethan Hankins, but there have been you know lefties that have been taken pretty highly and. Like you said, it's either it's either a pitcher who you probably feel is very elite or you're in college. But, yeah, as a teenager, you're probably right. You're not seeing a lot of left-handed pitchers, so you're not getting a lot of reps right-handed. Didn't McKenzie uh, Gore go one one? Who? McKenzie Gore. Yeah. High scorer? Yeah, lefty. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like you're, if you're, But if you're like, you know, Juan Brito's an international prospect, how many as a as a 14 or 15-year-old, and I know you have a lot of the, you know, the – What's the right word for this? That's uh, underhanded trainers down there and all those other camps that Major League supports that, you know, or turns a blind eye to an international free agency that we could have a long conversation about one day. Um, how many of those guys are left-handers? You know I mean, like, I'm talking about the Astros with Framer Valdez. They signed him when he was a lot older. Like, how many guys do you see like that when you're, like, 14 or 15? Like, there's just not a lot down there. So, you're right. You're not getting as many reps right-handed, and it's hard to – like think about like go back to Lindor. Think about Lindor. He's been a switch hitter his whole life too. Right. But he had, you know, many, he had how many good left handers was he facing in high school? You yeah, know? probably. Well, I think he probably benefited more than most because remember his parents moved him um, <clears throat> to the USA from Puerto Rico. Yeah, at I mean, age that's twelve. What I'm I mean that's that is true. And he did start playing. He, he was playing varsity baseball in eighth grade too. But like I don't think yeah. people realize that. He but a guy like Juan Brito probably wasn't. So you're right. The, the opportunities to do those kinds of things are limited. I just never thought about that in, in that perspective before. So maybe I'm hoping that for Brito, it's not like a case of, okay, he is better. He, he might always be better left-handed than right-handed, but it's not a case of, okay, he just isn't good right-handed. It's a case of, you know, this is a, he's only had two years of reps where he's facing left-handed pitching. And even at this level, you know, the left, the pitchers aren't this level aren't always the best either. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a, that's a really good way to look at it actually. Um, 
Yeah, Diane Frias to me has been really interested. I, I like the defense. I like the ability for him. The same thing. It's he's an undersized guy. If you want to talk about more comparisons to Lindor or not Lindor to, to Jose, I mean Diane Frias is almost a little bit more like Jose than um than Brito is because he's five he seven. Defense. And yeah, defense. better defense. Uh, I think he has the same kind of plate discipline. He's also a switch hitter, more likely to um, wind up a little bit more power. Yeah, I think the I think the power will come for him. I like the swing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, more walks and strikeouts as well. I think he is a little bit younger is he, than Brito. Is he not? He's he twenty. Like, uh, he'll be twenty one in June. So he'll. I hate to I hate to to sound to sound like. Yeah, guy from the age, he just kind of looks like a major leaguer in a sense. He just really has. I don't know if it was um his time playing in the in the Venezuela Winter League or whatever, and getting that and, and playing um on Venezuela for the WBC, or is that Colombia? Colombia, Colombia. He's Colombian, right? Yeah. Wow, that's rare. Okay. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Him, him and Ursula. Yeah, he was on. He was on Team Colombia WBC. He played in the Colombian Winter League. He had a great. A great Colombian Winter League campaign he last offseason, and he was that was happy. coming. Yeah, and that was coming off a pretty poor year, I would say, in Lynchburg last year, where he had a twenty five percent strikeout rate, only hit two thirty nine, walked plenty, but uh, I was concerned with the swing and miss. He has halved his swing and miss this year. So last year in Low A, it was a fourteen uh, percent swing strike rate. This year, it's in the seven, which that's amazing for a guy to be a level up after he struggled last year. I mean, he just had a great a great winter, and I think he's faster. I mean, I know the speed on him is, is we're not talking about an above average runner. We're talking about a guy who's going to be average. But I like the, the foot speed. Like you said, the defense, I think, is going to play at second or third. He might even be able to to play a little shortstop. I probably wouldn't I wouldn't make him. I know he was the primary shortstop for uh, Team Columbia. But if I'm a major league team trying to win, I'm not putting him at shortstop. But I think there's some interesting tools there. And I think um, he's definitely got to watch so far in Lake County. Anybody else? I know you mentioned uh, – who else did you mention? Oh, we mentioned Valdez. His bat's been better this year. I know you watched some of the playoffs last year for Lake County. His bat, you know, not a guy they drafted for the bat. Like you mentioned, he was a glove first pick. Um, but I feel like his bat this year, I've, I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, it's, it's been better. He has made better contact. And um, I mean, Jeromeer Santos has just said he has done a better job of being selective on what he goes after. Instead of swinging at a lot of stuff, he's, looking for what pitches he can actually drive. And I think that's helped him a lot. Man, Verlander is still in the game. Top of the eight. Yeah. Yeah. So is we, yeah, recording this is uh Sunday night baseball is going on. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of conversations going on. Yeah. Take me back to my childhood. <laughs> I hope I'm not making you feel old. Um, as always, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Valdez has been really impressive to see him kind of, um, take a step forward offensively because up to this point, it's kind of been very putrid and just been all glove and base running. Um, so it's kind of cool to see him show signs of life. Um, he definitely, the glove is majorly caliber for sure, um, but it's going to be as a utility player, most likely barring some unforeseen development he takes, unless he takes his further. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll definitely be. I think he'll definitely make it to the majors as a utility guy. I just we just gotta wait and see. Um, I think this year, kind of, if he can kind of be average-ish in the upper minors, um, he'll definitely stick somewhere, or he'll definitely be an in-depth guy in somebody's system in AAA in his early to mid twenties for sure. Um, 
guys like him don't go in the second round for any reason just because of the glove. They got to they have to see something with the bat as well, and he has and he's showing that he has the actions to be a competent player. So, I think it was a projection thing for him too. Like he's he's not a big guy, obviously. Yeah, that was a huge projection pick, and he was even littler when he was in high school. Right. So, and and he's grown a little bit. I won't say a lot. He might be a good a good kid for the conversation. We'll, we'll talk about a question about strength and conditioning and um, how he's growing. Pitcher wise. I don't know. I got to say like Josh Wolf's on the IL again. Lenny Torres has been a little better as reliever, 16 strikeouts, 13 and two thirds innings. I know he pitched today on Sunday as a recording. That's only two runs allowed, but he's got 12 walks. So he just cannot seem to find the strike zone. I got to be honest though, when it comes to pitching there, like the only guys that I've really been blown away by are, nice. Well, you got Hankins. Um, Web, Webb's been fine. I, I'm waiting for more consistency Consistency from Webb. Yeah, Reed Johnston definitely is a guy that I, I know I like a lot. I don't know how you feel about him. He had a couple of inconsistent starts uh, the last two times out. His start this past week was, was a lot better. Six innings, six strikeouts, three walks. The walks to me are a little bit concerning, but 32 strikeouts and 25 and two-thirds. I – I like the fastball and slider. I think there's promise with the changeup. He's just such a big and lanky guy that I just wonder if he's going to repeat his delivery enough and if he's going to have enough velocity to survive at the big league level. I think a bullpen role might be better for a guy of his size. Like he is, he's kind of like a spider out there. You know, he's he's really all arms and legs. Like it's it's a lot there, and the fastball's got good arm side movement and uh, some sink to it. The slider's huge. I just you know. Repeating the delivery and, and the development of the changeup, I think, are going to be a big issue, a big thing for him. And I agree. Control-wise, he might be better in the bullpen. But, is there, I mean, pitcher-wise, like, okay, there's Johnson who's interesting. We talked about Hankins. We're waiting for some consist- consistency on Webb. But, like, pitching-wise, there just hasn't been a whole lot there. Like, I have not been blown away by Tommy Mace. Uh, Rodney Boone has not been great. Okay, well, that's not fair. Will Dion's been good. I yeah, just Will worry Dion's about the bull- Yeah, I just worry about the velocity with him. But otherwise, he's great. Yeah, Will Dion, um, guy Kershaw, Ray Kershaw's delivery. Um, the fastball is it's just what 91 93 has some pop to it. Um, and then he has what curveball slider, right? Yeah, have you seen him at 93? Because I gotta say, I've only seen him like 89 92. Have you seen him at 93? I've seen him touch 93 on occasion. Okay, I'm, I'm, so I just said that, but 92, 91, 89, 90, 91 mostly. Um, yeah, so will we'll, we'll Dion the velocity it does scare you because the velocity did dip last year, I think. Um, down the stretch, he's not a big know, guy, yeah. And he's and he's, he's what like 5'11, um, yeah, 170, 180. Um, if that and he doesn't really look that much more developed this year either. Um, and even though Cleveland has had successful underdeveloped guys, they usually have a very standout tool and that's usually a really really good pitch or really 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 good command and will Dion doesn't have either of those i know i will say um he does use his delivery well for deception so it will be interesting to see um and reed johnson too um johnson he's very lanky but he does hide the ball pretty well i think he will make it very interesting um relief piece because i think he could add more velocity because he's only what 93 94. He was throwing harder last year. When he was in Lynchburg, I saw him to 95. That's why I was really interested in him because he does have that good sink. But mm-hmm. this year it's been more like 90, 92, top of 93. But it's it's early and, it, and 
all the starts I've seen Johnson pitch, it's been cold. So I'd like to see him pitch. In yeah, I saw him hit 93-94 on occasion. But um, I think, yeah, I remember him touching 95 too last year. Um, so, um, as you said, the slider. Um, the slider is his best pitch for sure. Um, and I think I had it in my added it in my little notebook as a 55 and I had the fastball as a 45 right now. Um, I don't think the fastball could be average. Um, but yeah, his command is like a 40 right now for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a big deal for, for him. And like I said, repeating the delivery, but you're right. The deception's there and he'll be really tough on right-handers no matter what role he's mm-hmm. in. If he's a reliever or a starter, I mean, the way he is out towards like the first base, like he's, he's delivering from the first base side of the rubber. And his arm is going so far out to the to third base side. The it's, angle, so it's just such a tough angle. Yeah. So I think right-handers have a hard time with the slider. He can backdoor the, the sinker. Um, that, that would be a good two-pitch mix for him. I, I don't know what the changeup will look like. I think there's some promise there. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been good. Dion's been good. Obviously, Hankins is interesting. We're waiting more on him. Everybody else, though, man, just like Denholm has, has had his moments. I haven't really been blown away. Webb, like I said, wanted to see some consistency. Tyler Thornton has been good out of the bullpen. 30 strikeouts in 13 innings. He's like 92, 93, can hit 94, and slider is interesting. He's a funky guy. I will Um, say Lenny Torres is interesting at the bullpen, although the walk rate is is super-duper high. I'm liking – he's showing signs of life, even with everything he's been doing in his career this far and stuff, you know. Um Another high school, high school pitcher. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping they can find some success for him. But yeah, control is just yeah. He he really deserves it. But um, the stuff is is legit for sure. Just the fastball and slider. I, um, when I watched them, um, they were they look pretty nice. I haven't seen him as a reliever yet live, so I have to next time they're in home. I'll have to make sure I'm I'm out there for one of his relief appearances. Speaking of relievers, Sean Rapp was promoted last week to Lake County. He had, I believe, six strikeouts in three innings in his first couple of outings in Lake County. 17 and two-thirds overall this season, 25 strikeouts, a 1.53 ERA. Speaking of guys who had no business being at the level he was at, he had no business being at low A. Um, He's talking about guys who re- also released the ball from a very far, far angle. Uh, he is all the way out to the first base side with his delivery. It's going to be really fun to watch hitters try to deal with that uh, going forward. Cause I think, uh, you just don't see a lot of guys with his arm angle. And I think he was like a low nineties guy as a reliever at North Carolina. And hopefully they can add some velocity to him and he would be a really, really tough matchup kind of lefty, even though there's no such thing as a Luke anymore, but, uh, that arm angle is going to be super tough. All right. Anybody else in the captain's path that I haven't mentioned that you think is worth the, you know, we talked a little about Lampy, Hankins, Johnston, Lenny Torres just now, um, we talked about Will Dion, Brito, Yordis Valdez. Anybody else you think that is worthy of a mention in Lake County before we kind of move on to some other uh, hot topics? Um, I like Isaiah Green's ability to rotate. That, that was really interesting to me. I didn't know he um, – I saw him pull a home run. They hit the um, the building where they had the batting cages at. I didn't know he had that type of raw power. I will say, I, I got to be honest, I have not been super impressed with Green's ability to hit. It just seems like he is going to have an awful hard time with breaking balls and just staying on the baseball. I, I don't have a lot of, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a, a long very, development path. He's a very frustrating player because he has a lot of 
interesting skills and idiosyncrasies to a game that make you say, okay, there's something here. But at the same time, he really struggles at a lot of basic stuff. Um, he's just he just reads out as a really just raw. I've never seen a raw player who's just so skilled at certain things like he is in certain ways. Um, but at the same time, he he's probably a corner. He's probably a corner outfielder just because the route running isn't there, even though the speed is and the arm is just like a twenty-five or thirty, maybe. That's that's going to be really harmful to his profile. You're right. He does have more raw power than I thought. It's going to be super hard to get to in games, but. Yeah, yeah, the speed is good. I, I think when you have a guy with that speed, not all guys with speed are great uh, route runners in terms of, of being an out, a good defender in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if you're talking about a skill that you need to develop, that should be one that's easier to teach. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I, I feel like he's a guy who can learn that over time. When you have that kind of speed, it's a lot easier to teach that. Um, but yeah, the, the profile is going to be so limited because it's it kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to judge outfield defense too in the minors. It is. I mean. I think when you look at outfield defense, the minors, it is you either see it or you don't. Like I remember Greg Allen being down there, and Greg Allen was a guy like, wow, this guy runs fantastic routes. He is super good. Petey Halpin last year, you know everything he did in the outfield. I think you just it just you notice it when you see a guy who can play good outfield defense. The minors, you just see them kind of cover so much space and especially in center. Even though like most guys who play center and minors are still going to move to a corner, like right. But still, I mean, it kind of lets you know like. It really, you really got to be different to play center field in the minors. I mean, in the, even in the majors, you do. I mean, even in the minors, you do. But I mean, in the majors, just to have that burst to cover that ground to catch up to those hits those guys are putting out is just different. The demand is different. Yeah. Well, like, I think that's why you, I think that's why you tolerate a, a mile straw in center field. Yep. Cause like I said, you just either have it or you, you don't. You like it, it's something you just notice very easily in terms of outfield defense. It's not, it's harder to judge, but when you see it, you definitely, you know it and you other guys that you don't don't stand out in terms of outfield defense. It's like you're looking for, okay, what, where do they have to improve? What, what could be better for them? And you're trying to find all the ways they can improve versus, okay, like Petey Halpin or, or when Bradley Zimmer was the minors or Greg Allen and Will Brennan, like, okay, these guys can play center. Like there's, you can just tell they have that kind of range and, and experience and, and, they get those good reads off the bat just naturally. Um, okay, so you mentioned Isaiah Green. Let's talk about Bo Naylor a little bit, little bit. He's up for as the 27th man uh, for the doubleheader that's almost over. It's in the eighth inning as we're recording this on Sunday. Got one at bat during the day. Um, I know a lot of people want him up right now, and I think it really is just they are trying to get as much value as they can out of Zanino. Zanino and Gallagher has been a really good backup catcher. He has Gallagher great... honestly should be starting right now. Yeah, I would uh I would agree with that too. There's really there's there's no really really reason why he shouldn't be just kind of based on the, the defense in itself because he's been one of the best defenders in all the baseball this year behind the plate. Yeah, I, I watched a lot of but although he he's He's is a smaller sample size than Zeno too, so I will give Zeno that. And Zeno's also had a lot, has had a good amount of funky stuff happen so far this season. Person, respectfully, he has, and he's coming off of a nasty injury too, which you know it's one of those yeah. surgeries that nobody really knows how guys are going to recover from. So 
We'll see. But um, who knows how, how he's dealing with that subconsciously and consciously. Yeah, sure. for sure. That's a it's a painful wanna... injury. Yeah, and plus it's it's an it's a nerve injury. Like that's just not really it's not a tendon, it's not a bone. Yeah, it's a nerve. It's it's very different than other injuries. Um I mean, even from the mental aspect, you me thinking about a, a nerve injury is just kind of it's, it's jarring. It's jarring. Yeah. Up, I mean, and think about you got the guy trying to deal with that and put that behind him so he can put his body on the lines at a thing like catcher when especially a catcher. Yeah. When you 190 mile per balls moving in different directions, flying towards you. That I mean, that's your job. I mean, I would be, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be in a, I wouldn't be playing good defense either if I was Mike Zeno. And we play, and we watched Zeno play good defense in the past and go, go, go glove caliber defense. So he has the tools, maybe he's just not there. But um, his power is the reason. His power would would make up for his lack of defensive production, but he's just not making any contact, any law contact right now, even when he is putting the bat the ball. We know he's going to strike out a lot, and we know he's really streaky, and we know catchers are going to, especially Cleveland catchers, they're not going to probably be that good offensively. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bo Naylor could be, and yeah. He, yeah, he was up. I mean, no, I, got, I went back and looked at a bunch of the stolen base attempts that he – gave up the shirt because he's having a hard time throwing out runners. And there and there are little things. There was a video I didn't put out that he kind of stabbed at a ball that he would try to block and um or he didn't block, but it was it was a ball four. So I don't know if he just if it was, it was ball four he wasn't going after it, but it was a ball he just kind of stabbed at and and it, it went by to the backstop. Didn't look good. Um but there's a lot of a lot of pitching issues going on in Columbus where they're not giving him a lot of chances to throw out throw out runners. But um there was a play that I tweeted. Now, Elliot De La Cruz is, is a very special player. Um, he, you know, we talk about Jose Ramirez here. He took off for third base, so the batter for for Louisville walked, and De La Cruz was on second base, and Naylor threw the ball back to Plesac, who was pitching, and De La Cruz waited, was just waiting, and as soon as Naylor flip, was flipping the ball back to Plesac, he took off the third base. So that's a steal that Naylor didn't have a chance to do that on. And I, I mean, even me, I truthfully didn't know that when you walk a guy like that, the, the ball's ball not dead. Play. It's it's still alive. So De La Cruz was, was being heads up there. So good for De La Cruz. But as, as a, a catcher, you have to, to be aware of that. And I'm not saying Naylor has this issue all the time. This is a big problem, but I think it's just one of those things you got to be aware of. And, and I know I'm going to say, I think, like we talked about, they are trying to get more out of Zanino now, and uh, they have to. And even Tito said this on over the pregame on the weekend. Uh, you know, because of their payroll, they have to be more patient. No fans don't want to hear that, but there are still things defensively Naylor does have to work on. I think right now it is a bad first profile, and that was always going to be the case. I mean, when they drafted him, everyone said, "Well, the bat's going to be ready before the glove is." That's going to be true of almost every catcher, um, especially at the high school level where he came from, but. Um, I know you've talked, you've talked to Naylor, you've, you've watched him. I feel like the defense at some point is going to be there. It's going to be fine. Cause this guy puts in a ton of work. I mean, people have talked ad nauseum about how he's learned Spanish, how he has taken the initiative to work with pitching staffs and he cares about that stuff. And I don't know for catchers. I remember just, from watching the um, WBC, Freddie Freeman talked very highly of how he, um, yes. cause he was starting, he was a starting catcher for Canada during the uh, WBC. 
Freddie Freeman talked very highly um, about how prepared Ball was and, and how he's been handling everything and how he handled everything. And Canada's team was actually kind of decent this year, too. They were. I they mean, were Cal Quantrill kind of screwed him in that one start, but yeah, um, I mean, but they, 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 they gonna have a, they're going to have a lot of guys coming through there soon. They have a lot. Yeah. Of tech, Canada's talent pipeline is is growing. It's becoming very legit. Um, I think with Bo, as you said, he was always a, a bat first guy. Um, but I think during his early years in the minors, his defense was underrated. Was kind of underrated. Like people were saying, "Oh, he's going to move to second or third. Like I remember when he was at Lake County. I'm sure you do too. People were like, "Oh, he's going to move to second or third. And they were saying that when he was at Akron in 2021. Um, and it's like, really? I mean, I don't really see. I mean, I see a 45, 50 defender with a 60 arm. And I mean, and that was me being a high. I remember you remember at one point I was a high man on Bo after his, yeah. his stock plummeted. Um, but I always thought it was just the fact that he was put on an extreme fast track for high school catcher, such a high school catcher drafted by Cleveland. And he didn't really, no one really observed that or kind of took that into account. And if you look at last year, he had like a 33% cost stealing rate last year. He was, you look at his highlights and the pitch blocking, and you look at the scouting reports, everything was there. They're saying the pitch blocking was coming around, everything, the game call. His game call is actually really good, by the way, for someone who's kind of struggles with other things. I mean, you don't – I mean, I would say he, he shows a real legitimate grasp for game calling that I think is the basis on why he's still a catcher um, and why they're trying to work with him with other things because I think his potential as a defensive catcher is so high despite his struggles with self like throwing runners out this year, which he's never had an issue with before. Right. And he, at any level. And it's, and it's funny because I'm sure you kind of remember him. I'm, I'm sure you remember 2019, probably how good he was defensively for someone his age playing in high A. I mean, it was low A then, I think, right? It was low A then. Yeah. But yeah. he was 19. And, yeah. and that was still very, I mean, this was a guy who barely even played. Like he skipped at the time. He still had Mahoning Valley around. And all his experience was it was at the Arizona Complex. rookie. Yeah. And this is a so, Canadian catcher, by the way. Right. Well, I mean, you say Canadian catcher, and, and the and the the experience level is different up there. But I, you know, he was he was always playing against competition older than him up there too, because he was playing on on the competition circuit. It wasn't necessarily high school competition. He was playing on the tournament circuit there, so he was getting. He was playing with his older brother. And, yeah, and, so he was always getting older, and that's why they challenged him for low A in nineteen because they felt like he was ready. You got to be you got to be mature enough to be able to play full season ball and learn the work that that goes into that. Um, well, that figures. Jose Ramirez just grounded a double play to end the game. Uh, Lindor threw him out. Wow. Poetic justice. That's painful. Um, so, turning plus all three games uh, this series. Um, I, I don't know. I think, as yeah, Bo Naylor will go back down after this game. I don't know who thought was going to happen. They were going to call Naylor up and he was going to stay. Like, yeah, could he play right now? I think the question really is, can he finish developing the major league level? Because there is development that happens at the major league level. And I, that's my point I wanted to get about. Sandy Alomar is one of the best catching coaches in, at the major league level, in my personal opinion. I don't know. That may have changed. Times have changed. But I remember Sandy gets a lot of praise, and I don't think Cleveland will have him sticking around as a first base coach and a catching coach if he wasn't that good. And Sandy is also one of the best defensive catchers of his era. And was it injuries? He probably would have been the best catcher of his era because he was just that good. He was a really good player and he was really underrated because of injuries. Um, so I, I really would like to see 
have Lamar Jr. get his hands on Bo because I think that'll be a great experience, especially with sending Lamar Jr.'s career path and things like that. Um, how good he was early on as a as a catcher. You remember he was in the major like twenty twenty one, won the rookie of the year award, and he was on the way to being a superstar basically. And the injuries happened. Um, so I think that's one key scenario. I think um, that could really help this issue. Um, I think over the years we've seen um, the organization kind of let when they when guys when they have catchers at misery level. I don't know just because they had Gomes to be able be able for so long and they were so competent and and things like that and be able as organizational guy. Um, I don't know just my perspective of what and my expectations of what I want from catchers is just kind of skewed very differently just because of how they operated and how good they were at their jobs. And they were, and they were also both um, competent offensively as well in their own ways, especially Bebo when he had that one year when he hit 20 home runs. Um, So this is a different scenario um, and kind of for me, um, I guess. So it's weird. I don't know. I think Bo definitely could. I think Bo's, Given tons of signs over the years that his makeup, with his makeup and his aptitude that he has the ability to learn on the fly. And um, I still think he's going to be an average catcher either way. So, I mean. Yeah, I'd agree. It's going to, it's going to be overall an average defensive thing. And, and eventually framing won't matter because you'll have the automatic ball strike system. Mm-hmm. But so I think the arm about... will wind up. Well, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, think, the arm is, I, I, think, I think the arm is probably going to wind up being the, the basis of the value in this profile just because it's so good. It's just, it's a legit 60-ish arm, in my opinion. It is. And um and- when he has his his um his mechanics in sync for for pop-ups, his pop-up times are really good too. And he, mm-hmm. he's his 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 numbers for throwing guys out, especially last year when guys were taking a lot of attempts on him. I mean, they speak for themselves. It does, yeah. No, I, I'm not worried about the arm at all. I mean, could there be things that he needs to improve? Mechanically, or you know, just consistently. He's probably just with, dealing with the idiosyncrasies at this point. I mean, it's, yeah, it's catcher. It's, he's he's a catcher. I mean, there's going to be tons of things on the display. His day is his day is coming. I think it'll be. It still isn't going to be anytime soon. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, next week. I think we're talking probably sometime August, in June, July, or August. I I think it, well, it depends if if Zanino does show some signs of life offensively or even defensively. That's true. That's it'll true. turn around, but yeah, if if. If it doesn't, I think it could be June. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's July. It just depends on where the team is at at that time. Um, Got to wrap things up here on this episode. Joey Cantillo uh, promoted to AAA. About time for him, obviously. Uh, really, the only thing that's holding to me, Joey Cantillo, back is is the command. He's got three quality pitches. I think he's even got a fourth. Uh, I like the slider. I like the curveball. The changeup is, is his best pitch. Um, but his stuff against... Um, or stuff at first start in triple a i think columbus's radar gun is pretty reliable and now that he's got some stat cast data on him too because we get stat cast at triple a now this says he hit 98 i don't know if he hit 98 but i feel like stat cast for the most part is you know it makes some errors but they're mostly good so i think he might have got to 97 but he was consistently around 94 which is good for him a lot of extension on the fastball Huge, huge vertical break on the curve. I mean, I think I saw one curve that got 66 inches of vertical break. Tristan McKenzie gets like 52. So it just tells you that's, how big it is. That's Barry Zito-ish. 
Yes, that's that's a great comparison. Now, I don't I know like if his it. I don't know if his curveball has the the bite to it that Zito's had as far as consistent shape um, or consistent uh, the velocity oh, yeah. needs to improve, but the, the shape right. is there. It looks it looks like a pretty curveball. I have worries that it's going to be a, a little loopy at times, but um, the stuff is definitely there, and I, I like the curveball quite a bit. So um, that's a lot of fun. So okay, keep an eye on Cantillo. So I haven't seen a lot of Cantillo, but statistically he's just been so dominant. Um, you look at how young he's been too. It's just been his health and yeah, and the command, and 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 his command has been really good at times too. Like when I have watched him, he's shown very interesting feel for um moving stuff around the edges of the zone and just being aggressive and stuff like that. So um, you don't really see many left-handers who have his just as many good pitches as he does. Um, with the velocity as well, um, and the statistical pedigree, um, and the youth, unless they're like a college guy or something, maybe. Um, and to get him as like the third or fourth piece in a trade was just. I would say he, well, he could have been the fourth, but yeah, the third. I mean, talking about Naylor being good at the major league level, and then you have uh, Arias, who's been a great defender, and he's starting to. Hit. Show some signs of life with the bat, and then you have Cantillo. I think it's going to be a good profile. I really like him a lot. Not that you brought it up too. I forget Cantillo was a high school player that Padres drafted. He was a, a everybody was all over Cantillo in the draft because he was young for the class and super tall, super projectable, a lot of good traits. And I didn't, I didn't even think so. He he was taken late in the draft, and everyone I don't think thought about him, but all everybody was in on him, you know, prospect wise because of the upside. I never really thought about it, but he was a high school player. So hopefully he is the next high school pitcher. Cleveland has success with, because as we talked about, it's been pretty ugly. Um, Real quickly, George Valera, for those who haven't seen, unfortunately back on the IL with the hamstring injury player. We've both, you know, I've both seen a lot of, we both like the upside, at least, you know, as an average outfielder who can hit for power. Um, It's probably a platoon bat at this point, unless you want to tolerate his own base skills versus lefties. And you can do that, especially if he has 25 home run power, which I think he does. But, man, I just, you know, and 20. okay, so he, let's go back over his injury history real quick. 2018 or 2017. Hand um, bone, like six games in. Yeah, he had a hand injury. He had a core muscle injury. And 2019, when he was at Lake County, or was it 2021, he had, you know, the same things. He had um, another another core muscle injury. It was a, He had a knee injury, too, I think. When he was in Lake County my first year. I think he had a hamstring injury even then, too. So this is not the first time his his hamstring has popped up for him. But then, you know, the ham ate twice. It's just these little things that have popped up for him. And I just kind of wonder, is it and always going to be? he had a hamstring be... injury in Mahoney um, Valley, too, I think. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Like, is it ever going to be? You know, I, I don't want to say. Like, we'll see how serious I'm Honestly, I did not know what the injury was until you just said what you just said like 30 seconds ago. I thought it was another wrist injury. No, it's it's the hamstring this time. So it's, I guess it's good that it's not the hammock because that's one that can linger. But you know, hamstrings being I thought, a I thought, he, I thought he irritated something with his wrists again. Um, no, but it's really good to see him showing raw power this early. So that's one thing I was really worried about. He yeah, I, I wasn't concerned about his back coming back. I you know the patience at AAA has been good. I had said I think I said last week on here. I'm not sure if it was here at Lockdown Guardians. I said very rare to see a guy miss as much time as he has. This year, like 
being a top prospect and being a triple A, like you can taste that major league shot, right? You can, you can feel like it's right in front of you. It's right there. And he missed so much time this year. He's on the 40. He missed the first month of the and year. He just comes back and looks like he's been playing. Right. He didn't look over, over anxious. Like a lot of guys would come back and start swinging everything, trying to make up for all that time missed. He hasn't done that. So I was impressed by that, but I don't know. I, I just started to worry. Like, is he, is he always going to have these little, these little dings and dents throughout his career? Like, is he going to, is this going to be a guy who just constantly like make play 40, 50 games, get hurt, come back, you know, a couple weeks later and then go back on the IL. Like, is that, is that who he's going to be? I don't know. Some guys are just like that. Not as bad as Byron Buxton, where Byron Buxton, you know, is one of the most dynamic players in baseball and is super fun to watch. But I mean, he's only played, it's, it's, only played it's 100 weird. games once. It's kind of uncanny with Byron Buxton. He's only probably only played more than like 60 or 70 games once. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Um, I, I don't like talk. It's kind of hard talking about injuries. Um, you know, you just want to be respectful to people's bodies and stuff like that. They can't control it. And with these guys who give their lives to the game, we know they want to be out there and they want to have it in their way. Um, I just, I don't know. You, you, your, your, your case is totally valid with Valera. Just um, not just the frequency of injuries, but this mostly been just wrist or lower leg. Yeah, in the core in, in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just hope it's not a case of, like, all these things tend to pop up because some guys are like that, and mm-hmm. maybe it will be for him. Like, you know, last year he stopped running. Like, he, he stole plenty of bases in Lake County when we saw him in 2020, and last year he didn't. And I thought, well, maybe that's because, you know, he doesn't want to get hurt. That's that's certainly a valid concern. And he's already stole base this year, but it's like, okay, the injuries pile up. He's going to stop doing that because that's a that's a, a skill he needs to have. Probably why Cleveland with him off center field because remember they had him yeah. playing center field for a while. Although he never really had that burst he, either. He just wasn't he really did a ball runner. He did play some center coming back, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's playing center. That's great." And I'm like, just to get his bat in the line, they have to move guys around. It's not really a you know. This they're probably moving him to right field, and you probably said that the game after seven innings anyway. So. Yeah, and he, he could be a good right fielder too. The arm is definitely there. We're sitting the arm, so I, mean, I don't know. I just a, hope he's off the IL soon. He's I not a, I mean, he's not a bad or lethargic defender by any means. His motor is there too. Yeah, he could be a good defender. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the defense in the corners. I don't know how it'll be in the in center. I don't, I don't think he'll be there long term. Mm-hmm. The the arm is fine. Yeah, I just I hope he gets back on the field. I hope it's not a long term thing. And um, do we know? Yeah. It, did it say hamstring? I didn't really say if it was a strain or no. Nah, no, just that hamstring. I think so. I mean, I'd imagine just a strain, but we'll see. Could be a while. Gavin Williams, I'm just going to quickly run through this. Uh, probably his best start of the season. Six innings, nine strikeouts, no walks for the first time his uh, season this year. He had five instances last year. But, uh, man, the guy's getting better. My only take on Gavin Williams is this. This is not a negative because some guys can do this. He is super fastball dominant, and he kind of reminds me of Spencer Strider in the way that and I guess Garrett Cole, but Garrett Cole has. I was going to say, I was going to say Garrett Cole. <clears throat> yeah, maybe that's where Williams can get to. You know, you hope because obviously the physical profile and the fastball are there. The curveball and the slider <laughs> have a lot of work, and so does his command because his yeah. command is nowhere near as good as Cole's. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Can't uh, Cole has has developed his breaking pitches. He's taken a long time for him to get to where he was from Pittsburgh days. But <clears throat> I mean, Pittsburgh had him throwing well. Nineteen seventy-seven, so right and. They're they're getting better now, but 
<clears throat> Spencer Schrider is a guy in Atlanta who relies on his fastball and slider pretty much exclusively. He has a changeup right now. It's getting better. And <clears throat> that's who Williams is. He doesn't really have much of a changeup. The fastball is so good that it works, and the slider and the curveball are good, but he doesn't go to them very often. So, like, part of me wonders this. Like, okay, let's say he has a game where he doesn't have his fastball command, because that happens. Like, look at Tanner Bybee, guy, great command guy. He's had two starts in the majors where he didn't have command of the fastball. It's going to happen to everybody. So what happens to Gavin Williams in the majors? Because, you know, in AAA, guys are going to chase crappy pitches. It's AAA. But in majors, you're not going to get, you know, um, certain hitters to chase, you know, everything else if your fastball's yeah, not working. They're going to make you throw. Once a week is going to be that much better than a AAA player. It's, yeah. It's, I'm just really now really wrapping my head around how good the average major leaguer is and how – that could, and how collectively that, and how good that makes Atlanta collectively, and how and how often pitchers have to watch themselves. I mean, I've I've seen like Michael Martinez turn ninety nine mile per hour fastballs that AAA hitters will whiff through. I mean, it's kind of just ridiculous, just the, the difference in in the standards. That is a good. I mean, people people should realize how how good the average major leaguer is. I mean. For all of our gripes about Ahmed Rosario, he's a good average major league player, and that's that's a certain level to attain to. You just mm-hmm. you want more, but yeah. So my my thing on Williams is just I want to see what happens when he doesn't have fastball command. Will major league hitters chase the slider and curveball? Does he have enough on those two pitches consistently for strikes to offset a day where he doesn't have his fastball? But his fastball is so good, he could be a dominant fastball dominant pitcher. Um, but those are things he's got to kind of work on. But again, uh, a zero walk day today was fantastic. Uh, I think he's getting better. He's still throwing 97, 99, hitting 100. Um, his day is coming soon. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll be this year. Depends on what happens, but um, we'll see. I'm still a big fan. Give a yeah, Rodriguez. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I want to say about um, Gavin Williams. Uh, it's also gonna his fastball usage is also gonna be interesting because exactly. yeah, how is he gonna how is he gonna go through a lineup second time and third time? How is he gonna get deep in the games at the major league level when you're that fastball dominant and you're, he, he can, he can command his stuff. But it, yeah, one thing I've noticed is he is slider and curveball. He really, they really just fly toward the edge of the zone and he just kind of hopes and prays that, that they're competitive enough to get a swing and miss. And yeah. I think the slider is a good enough pitch on its own and the curveball has gotten better too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the fastball is good enough where this doesn't really matter, but I do think that, uh, yeah, usage is a good point because, like I said, either he'll, either he'll um, have a, a game where it's it's not his best pitch. Or he really he needs to work on his changeup too, because that's going to be big for him second and third time through the order, just because hitters are going to hunt that fast. Hitters at the midget level are going to do better with that fastball, no matter what. It's just yeah. Even I'm Garrett just, Cole, even Garrett Cole gets a home runs on his fastball. So mm-hmm. um, they're gonna definitely they're see. gonna they're gonna get theirs off of it. Which is yeah. what I'm trying to say. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. That's why I kind of have him as like a, a number two kind of starter versus an ace, just because I'm waiting to see this the development. I think he's secondary. A, I think he's a really good three. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him to make him a number two. So um, plus, I I think. I don't know. I think there's just something about him compared. I think there's something about Bybee just with his command, I think, and his feel. Well, he's got like four better. pitches. Yeah, it's a you got a guy I mean, with but, four but, versus I a guy mean, maybe two. I mean, the command and the feel is just so much better, though. I mean, I mean, but Bybee is a 65, 70-ish command guy, so 
Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, real quickly, let's run through some other things. Um, two home runs over the weekend. I really liked Gabriel Rodriguez a year ago. Um, I think he catches – I think he waits too long to take his swings. I think he lets the ball get deep on him before he hits sometimes. Uh, the two home runs over the weekend, though, he got out in front of and he pulled the crap out of them. It was great to him. see. Yeah, I have a lot of hope for Gabriel Rodriguez still. I think he's still young for that level, uh, still walking in a good amount. The strikeouts are a bit of an issue, but he had this issue in Lynchburg. I think he'll catch up, but the power is there. He's just got to get to in games, and I think he is a fantastic fielder at third base. Um, so I'm still I'm still in on Gabriel Rodriguez. I just think that yeah, it's going to be a, uh, funny, a longer developmental um, path. How much hype it was around him um, the following year after Valera just because of – I think it was the Valera effect, just how much hype he got. Highest – Highest signing bonus for a position player in club history. So. And, it was, and it was weird watching him at, at Lake County last year because he, he kind of looked very pedestrian at times, but there were times where he looked really good. And it was kind of – it was just – I don't know. It was just kind of hard to judge on last year. He just hmm, – I don't know. Um, I do know his swing looks like Manny Machado's. Yeah, I just think he inside he's inside out inside outs balls too often. Like he just stuff he should be pulling for power like he did over the weekend. He tries he to hit do. over to second second baseman. Yeah, like what I think he just needs for? Yeah, he's just gotta catch the ball in front a little more and he'll get to more of that power. The mm-hmm. swing is definitely there, I agree. And the, and the glove is and the arm are both good. I think it'll get there. I think it's just gonna be a long developmental path for him, but I, I do still I'm still buying some shares there. Um these are more just kind of news and notes here at the end. Nikhazy and Leftwich, they were pitching in a tandem all year. They are now split up because of the promotion from Cantillo from Akron. Crazy so Nikhazy. I, I still love – you know I love Doug Nikhazy. He's my guy. Um, four walks and in five innings over the weekend or this past week. But he had nine strikeouts. That was a career high. And the five – or the – I'm sorry, not a career high, a season high. And the five innings were a season high. So that was good. Um, but they're going to be split up now from their tandem. So Jack Leftwich did not fare as well. He gave up eight runs. In um, I think three innings of work, so that was kind of brutal. Um, so we'll see what happens with them, but I still remain pretty high on both of them. But that seems to be how accurate it's going to cover innings with Cantillo gone. So I wouldn't expect a promotion from Lake County anytime soon. Speaking of pitchers, Parker Messick was pitcher of the week last week in Carolina. He needs um, to be in Lake County already. He definitely does. I think the real issue there is that they have nobody to backfill innings with, like you. And this, and I'm going to get to this in a second too. I think maybe they are starting to get there. Um, so I think the Parker Mess promotion, I think, could be coming soon because they're starting to move other guys out of the rotation. Um, he was hitting 93 today. I heard in Carolina didn't have his best stuff today, but he had a good start back on Tuesday. We um, had seven more strikeouts. So um, if he's consistently hitting 91, 93, that's fine. I, I would like to see him in another gear. I think he still has more in there, but. It's definitely way too good for high A, but Austin Peterson, if you're looking for the next Reed Johnston type kind of guy, Austin Peterson to me is kind of similar fastball slider, um, workhorse style build. He's having a pretty good year in Lynchburg. I think he'll be exciting or at least a solid pitching prospect. Nate, Nate Furman, who we've talked a lot about in this podcast. He's been on this podcast. Um, has had a good year, but the last couple of weeks have been kind of a struggle for him. He only had four hits this past week, which is pretty low for him. He only had two walks, which is low for him. Up 25 steals, but uh, he is starting to, I don't know, just get, I don't know if he's getting unlucky or he's just kind of hitting a lull, but uh, things have been kind of tough for Nate Furman the last two weeks or so. We'll see if he can turn it around in the end of the year. 
And then Adam Tullock looks like he is going to be in the Lynchburg rotation now. He went four innings, um, didn't have a tandem starter. Him or Jack, J- um, him or Zach Jacobs, I should say, uh, were kind of pulling tandem starts. Um, so if they are stretching Adam Tullock out to be a starter after he was kind of reliever early in the year, that kind of makes me wonder if they will have um, a guy ready to pitch every every. They're they're still on a Parker Messick. Okay, so that Lynchburg very rarely at that level has a, a five man rotation. Parker Messick is staying every fifth day, even though he has an off day on Monday. Um, but he is one of the only guys to make two starts a week down there with Austin Peterson. So interesting that those two guys are getting the the five five man rotation treatment. Everybody else is kind of on a tandem or a six man rotation. That just tells you those guys are college guys and um, they should both be in Lake County. All right, let's get some questions in here real quick before we get out of here, Pat. Um, let's try to make these quick takes, but um, real quick, future at shortstop, assuming Jimenez stays at second when Ahmed leaves. That's from our buddy Quincy Wheeler. Oh, what's up, Quincy? Um... I'm saying Arias. I, I mean, well, okay, let me actually know. I'm going to say Rokio because – as much as I think Arias is the better defender than Rokio at shortstop. I don't think Arias is going to hit enough here to stick here. I think he's going to stick somewhere else. I'm not worried about, well, I I don't know. I think with consistent playing time, the bat's starting to look better. But I, my thing is, am I crazy? keep Arias in the right field or something like that? Yeah, like, does it make sense to take advantage of his arm and athleticism, play him at third, play him at short, play him in right, play him at first? And then have Rokio at short because Rokio is not a guy who's going to play a ton of positions. He could play, he could play second and short. He could play third. That's fine, but I think I, I don't I don't know if I consider Rokio a guy who can play first or outfield. And I think Arias's arm is wasted at first base, but at least he can play there. I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of keeping Arias in a super utility role if you utilize in the right way, and then Rokio plays short. I agree. Um, I think Walls Ramirez getting a little older than he is. He, he's going to need a few more days off. Um, I think what I think Arias is going to be a great defensive replacement for the infield. So maybe keeping him in right field so he can maybe take make transition. We're trying to shuffle Ahmed Rosario out because Ahmed Rosario has been the worst defender at shortstop in the majors this year, pretty much. I mean, on paper and in depth. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think Arias as a super TD player makes a lot of sense because you can take advantage of his athleticism and his arm and you can keep his bat lined up and with Cleveland kind of plus you can also platoon platoon him too if you want to with platoon certain positions too with how many lefties Cleveland has in the corner outfield spots or in the corner infield spots I mean so you can do that with him too um I yeah I think he does offer he just offers a lot of utility in a variety of ways right now so but I think I'll I'll go Aries just because of how much they Spoken about him too. I think he'll go Aries with you as well. Yeah, the, the, he's a better defender, but I'm I'm going Rokio though because I think I like to keep Arias in that utility role because mm-hmm. um, it does work for him. Uh, Mike Mahoney from Lake County he wants to think of any players who have had who have played other stat lines this year and who would you call up to Akron first from the pitching staff? If I'm if I'm sending one guy up from Lake County from the pitching he's staff, probably Reed Johnston. I would say Will Dion. I would say. He's got enough command where maybe it's time to see what he can do at double A. I like to see, I mean, Reed Johnson too, because of the age, but, and the stuff might be fine, but I, I think the command Dion, isn't there though. Yeah. So it's not, no, I think Dion, I, I think you got to see what he, what his command can do against double A. 
don't know about players that have played above their stat line this year. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm just kind of looking at the numbers in the minors. Like Diane Farias, we talked about, I think has played above his stat line a little bit. Definitely. Um, Yordi's Yordi's is having a good year, so I guess we normally have to say he's not playing above his stat line. Um, let me see, go down this list here. My, I mean, Mike Colado's having a good year, but I don't really know. Connor Cox is an interesting guy to me. He doesn't swing and miss a lot. Very patient hitter, good defender, no power to speak of so far. Um, that's a guy I'm really interested in to see what they can do with him. So he's an interesting one. Man, and Joe Lappy is plummeted. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he'll be okay, but I, I, for whatever reason, you know, he got off to a really hot start, but I think it was a lot of um, early. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, these guys are for the first time are getting their bodies to play six days a week for for six months, whereas in college you're playing three or four other days a week at most. You get a couple of days off in between, so that's a big adjustment for a lot of these guys at that level. But uh, yeah, I, I I was worried about the lack of punch with his his bat sometimes. Uh, buddy Lamole, he wanted to talk about Juan Brito. We kind of mentioned that already. He also wanted to ask, what does Aaron Bracho have to do to be taken seriously? It's almost June. Do it until August. Do it until August. Yeah, I, I got to see it over. It's been two bad years. I got to see it. Honestly, you have to do it this year and next year for me. Respect. Yeah, and he has a nice Corvette though. He's yeah. I was worried for a while he was just going to be a car guy. Um, the power is good. There's no doubt about the power. Um, he's only hitting left-handed now. You know, in the past he was a switch hitter. Not going to be a good defender really in any position. Like he's you know Juan Brito esque in that role. He's not going to be a great defender anywhere. He's, yeah, I, he has a very similar profile to Juan Brito. Pull heavy, fly ball heavy. Yes, I'm going to need. He has a lot more raw power than Brito does because I, I was very yes Bracho when he was tearing the ACL and Mahoney Valley up. I'm going to need like a 20 home run year from Bracho, and I'm going to need to see him end the year with like a 350 OBP. So I don't think there's going to be a point this season where I'm buying in in terms of like, okay, this is, you know, I need the to see has got to be there too. Yeah. He, it's a home runner or a single right now with him where it's a walk. It's very in the strikeout. It's very bizarre. Um, real name, no gimmicks, Carson, a Merck, a prospect, not getting the attention they deserve. And who is the fastest player in the system? Who was a prospect? I mean, we talk about Reed Johnson a little bit. He's interesting. I got to say, it's just really a down year prospect wise. Like it's very unfortunate because, you know, a lot of guys have been hurt and uh, have underperformed this year. I mean, I, I mentioned Austin Peterson, who's a guy who's worth paying attention minors. to. Yeah, especially in lower minors. I, yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, reliever-wise, Sean Rapp. Tyler Thornton probably for me in terms of relief reliever. So, like I said, 30 strikeouts, 13 innings. That's a guy who's really interesting for an undersized guy who doesn't throw super hard but is, is very unique. Um Fastest player in the system right now, gosh, it might be Durango, maybe. Yeah, Durang- Durango is. He's just not an affiliate, unfortunately. Um, oh, for, yeah, he's he just, hurt? yeah, he's been, well, he was back in uh, Arizona last year to try to gain some strength because he was not, he was, you know, getting overmatched at low A. Um, Isaiah Green's super fast. I don't know if he's the fast. I would say Guy Lipscomb or Nate Furman. They're both 70 runners. Uh, Durango might be an 80 runner, but yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. So we'll see what happens. With him, and then uh, David Osborne said, "Kate Smith, the Tyler Thornton, who you got?" Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Tyler Thornton. I think he's got more control. Kate Smith has is leading the Eastern League in saves, but uh, I think Tyler Thornton's got better control and is more deceptive. 
And then here's the last one I say for this this for the end. Just to, I don't want to go too deep on this because we're this is the longest episode of the season. Um, no shock with you being on it. No, you're it's with you being on it. No shock. Um, this is good because I've spent a lot of episodes talking to myself and people are tired of hearing my voice. Um, Azuma Films, at what point do we start looking at the Guardian strength and conditioning program in the offseason? Dealing with the uh, guys who have not gotten bigger, like Juan, Brennan, Jimenez, Lindor was a bean pony first came up. Freeman Rokio, if they took it on themselves to train. Okay. Here's my thing with this. Strength and conditioning to me is more about injury prevention than it is strength gains. Um, you're like, you know, conditioning, you're talking about guys getting the better shape. Yes, you want them to improve and be more muscular, but more muscular doesn't always mean it means different things in different positions. Like, you know, baseball is such a rotational sport. So, like, I know Yandy Diaz is probably having a great year power-wise for the first time ever, but look how long he had those big-ass biceps, right? Like, that doesn't translate into power. Uh, Jose Ramirez, not really a, a guy you look at and you're like, wow, this looks like a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's a rotational sport. You know, and you when have you to think of short things. dick stubby arms as, as, as what you would think attached to a slugger. I mean, you mostly think of guys with long muscular arms who extend up will extend their arms and get to the ball. Like, I mean, you know, the big guys like Mark McGuire, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, things, guys like that. I mean, I think the height, I think one thing about baseball height is the leverage that tall people can use to turn on the ball. I mean, just naturally, I mean, just by having longer limbs and be able to generate more energy with longer limbs. And I, yeah, I mean, it's, cool about it. but it's just all about torque and rotation. So, mm-hmm. Like, you want to add weight to your core muscles. Brennan has gotten bigger, I would say. Um, but Brennan, Brennan's all issue was a swing, was a, a mechanical thing because he was trying to get more into his hips with the swing. Quan's never, I mean, I shouldn't say never because he's not much, you know, he's thin, but he's not as, as all that big. Um, it's more about injury prevention, though. And, and there is, you want guys to have strength gains, too. But um, I don't think strength and conditioning is really talking about, like, with power, like, there's a lot more that goes into it than just getting stronger. It's just that's a rotational thing. I think your I observation about um, prioritization with endurance for strength and conditioning with baseball is a big thing. I mean, even with basketball, the big thing is it's low weight, high reps. Because, I mean, you right. think about how many jump shots those guys are shooting. Like, I remember one video that went viral of Channing Fry using low, like, like five-pound dumbbells. And it was just like going super fast, um, doing up and down. People are like, why, why are you doing it like that? Like, I'm a shooter. I have to do it for my endurance, for my shoulders and arms throughout the season. Right. I mean, that's just preventing injuries. I mean, he has to use his shoulder. I mean, think about how much a, a spot-up shooter is that all year long. I mean, think about practice. They're taking thousands of jump shots every day. You got to keep your, your body, like, together. I mean, and I think for – I mean, you think about that for baseball, just – the muscle groups you're using and stuff like that for you, like you said, it's just so rotational. I mean, I don't think guys, guys I don't think guys will want to get huge just because of how much is going to restrict their mobility. I don't think the guys that that can get that big unless they get worse at the game. I mean, I don't think I'm pretty sure if um, and plus everybody's body is different too. I mean, like I mean. Like Katie, for example, Katie has been doing a lot of weightlifting and stuff, and his body's never changed throughout his career. While someone like Lindor or Giannis, who have done a lot of work with their body, and they look huge, and you can see it. I mean, but I mean, Katie still looks like a mean pole, and he can still bench press 225 10 right. times. 
if you're doing the right the right things that are important to work, what part of body you use for the sport and for, for baseball that's rotational torque but even then like i said i was there like, i'm sure Roddy, I'm like i'm sure Roddy Tales and alex manoa do it at fair share of conditioning and stuff like that. yeah i mean i mean there's always going to be is baseball there's always going to be funny built guys around yeah i i get the question too about just like how do we get them to develop power but it's not really about developing and not adding strength like okay so some guys are using the weighted bat to, and that's what Stephen Kwan has done is the weighted bat. A lot of guys are turning to that to try to increase exit velocity. It's not really about strength. It's, or, I mean, it is to a point, but, um, you know, Lindor definitely filled out physically, but remember he was also, um, eight, he was 17. He was a yeah, big projectable was, too. Yeah. He was also 17 when he came to the organization. Same with Rokio. They're 16. So yes, they've gotten bigger, but they're also, they're already kind of maxed out. You're not at, you're not looking for a lot more power from those guys anyway. It's weighted bat training. It is core muscle strength, but it's also, you know, Jose Ramirez became a good power hitter because he learned to turn on balls on the inside part of the plate and get the ball in the air. And he's just a good rotational athlete. It's not necessarily, and I know not everyone knows how to loft the ball in the air. I mean, there's so many, yeah. there's, there's a lot of ways to, for guys to get, Power, power to me isn't so much strength as it is as it is the ability to hit. That's that's mm-hmm. hitting for power. It comes in all different it's shapes skill and sizes. Too. It's a it's skill. A, it's like a everybody, skill. everybody isn't going to backspin a, a baseball like a four seamer off the bat like Albert Pujols is tall fields. I mean, yeah. Some guys, I mean, some guys like Ramirez, they just loft the ball in the air to a certain point, and at that certain point, the ball is going to come down over the fence. And you made a good point too about like not everybody wants you don't want everybody to get bigger and bulky too because Stephen Kwan getting bigger and bulky isn't going to help him because a it's going to restrict his mobility in left field it's going to reduce his speed and he's also doesn't have a big frame he can't he's think not about to... think about something like Tony Gwynn bulking up and losing all that bend and flexibility and and everything that that he did around the plate to where he can just hit everything in all the quadrants and reach out and do different things I mean you just yeah can't... there's just there's just so many different types of hitters and. You mentioned Judge and Stanton and, and Lindor and, and Ramirez have had power throughout their career. There's just so many different types of hitters. And, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's a skill. There's so many it's different a, ways to skin the cat. Yeah, it's not necessarily a strength training thing as it is a skill. And, you know, I, I think I think strength and conditioning in baseball mostly and, and maybe even all sports. Is, I mean, football is obviously different. But, um, yeah, it's about endurance and being able to play the whole season and, and not wear down. That's why it's, that's why and I, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I guarantee you'll you'll agree with me on this philosophically. Like people get mad about Barry Bonds using steroids. Steroids didn't make Barry Bonds a better hitter. That guy could hit anything any any time of day. What it did for him was give it him the ability him, to about endurance. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. I, and I think every major leaguer who's used steroids or has watched someone use steroids has said that. Like time since time immemorial, even when like guys were using the greenies and stuff, it just made them better. You bounce the day back after, yes. yeah, it made them the better the day after they got three hits. Like I mean, I mean, and, and how many times have we seen guys who torch like three, four hits go all four for the next X amount of games for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, physically you're just better after that, and you're you're able to repeat that swing, and you're able to get the like. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can you can go lift. More because you have more energy. You can go. You can go lift versus guys who maybe don't lift as much during the season now because of you know trying to stay more uh, preserve their energy. I should say, but very bond. It's not going to make you more skilled for sure. It's just gonna yeah, make, no. It's just going to make your ceiling higher, and 
and and I don't think people realize too with baseball, these guys got to roll out of bed and go up to the plate and hit five times every day for like five days a week. Right, they're at the ballpark at one p.m. for a seven p.m. game, sometimes even earlier, especially in the minor leagues. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Pat. I really appreciate it. That you no problem. Here. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, assume you'll want to come back again. Hopefully, everybody uh, enjoyed the episode. Before we get out of here, though, tell everybody once again, Pat, where any any content you're putting out these days, let them know where to find it. Um. So my name is Pat Ellington Jr. Um. Right now, I just I just run an independent Substack blog, um, and I'm doing some work over at Baseball Prospectus and um, the SI affiliate for the San Francisco Giants. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, you can find my Twitter at tangible underscore uno, IG same thing. So yeah. All right, go follow Pat. Follow his work. I subscribe to Baseball Prospectus for a lot of reasons. Pat, one of them, uh, good site for a lot of different things, and indeed, uh, very good yeah. people. Yeah, very good people. Over there, the RGB baseball uh, substack is also uh, very good as well. A lot of good historical stuff and Thank current you. stuff. You've you really been a very boon with your, um, with your, with your help. So I yeah. appreciate you. I, I enjoy the work. Go check it out. Follow Pat. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. Definitely. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Yep.